0: Election College, episode number 273, Woodrow Wilson.
1: Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts... Jason Goff and Ben
2: Smith.
0: Jason, I have for a long time thought that Woodrow Wilson had one of the coolest names of all the presidents that there are. Woodrow, I mean that's that's a cool name. I mean his real name was Thomas, uh, so we do have that to consider. That you know, just kind of a a normal guy named Thomas, but Woodrow, that's just kind of that's that's rad.
2: It's like saying respect me, man, because I've right. got a last name. I, I I think it's his middle name, right? That's that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So he's so cool that you know he could be T Woodrow Wilson. Sounds like an investment firm.
0: I'm sure his signature. I've never looked at it that I know of, but I'm sure his signature was like T, T Woodrow or something like that. Who yeah. wouldn't want to go by Woodrow if that was in your name? Anyway, <laughs> unless people call you Woody. Not, I mean,
2: I'm sure there's some of our listeners. There's got to be somebody's name is Woody, but
0: we have a large enough audience. I would be surprised if nobody's here's name was Woody, but
2: that's more like probably the down home way of saying it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could kind of think that maybe Woodrow Wilson was kind of down home uh, a little bit. His family was, uh, they were a Scotch Irish American family and he was born in Stanton, Virginia and he was born in. 1856, right at the end of the year, right after Christmas at December 28th. And the place where he was born, or the area, you know, the same part of the road there, uh, is now the Presidential Library for Woodrow Wilson. So that's kind of cool. If you want to go visit that site, you can. There's not a whole lot left of the original uh, birthplace, but it is there. Which is ridiculous,
2: because I've been through there so many times Uh that I've never stopped because you know the the highway the u.s route in that area is called woodrow wilson highway right and i never made the connection and we're going to find out here in just a moment how many different places his family did live so that's the reason if you are thinking virginia what um yeah it's because his family moved around a lot (laughs) but i digress go 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 talk about mom and dad ben
0: that's right. Uh, we're going to talk about Joseph Ruggles and Jesse Janet Woodrow. Uh, he is the third out of four kids, and their parents, his paternal grandparents at least, immigrated to the U.S. from County Tyrone, Ireland, which is in Northern Ireland now. I've never have you ever been to County Tyrone or Northern Ireland? Jason? No, I've never been to Northern Ireland. Just the Republic. Me That's right. Yeah, me too. Uh, his mother was actually born in England. And they came from a uh, religious background. Uh, His grandfather was uh, a pastor there in Scotland, actually. And they just came from all over the place. Well, they come, his grandparents, when they come, they settle down in Steubenville. And his father's there, um, really interested in northern kind of issues and ideas. And he founds and He gets a pretty good reputation for his newspaper called the Western Herald and Gazette, and of course they covered a lot of stuff: anti-slavery, pro-tariffs, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Very again, northern ideas.
2: Yeah, and one interesting thing about this, Ben, and I didn't realize this: Wilson is the first president. Like in between, there's a huge gap. Like every president's mom and dad and grandparents are from. United States or America, mm-hmm. all the way back, like way, way far back. I can't remember which one. Wilson's family—they're not like the red, white, and blue USA fl- flag waving family from the history. And I—I I had no idea about that. Yeah. So they—they they didn't necessarily have a loyalty between North and South because there they right. are. They're—they're they're in Steubenville, Ohio. They're You know, very pro-Union cause, I guess. That's a little premature, but
0: very anti-slavery. But then, yeah. It becomes a little different there in the second generation uh, as they come across, though. For sure. Uh, Joseph and Jesse, Woodrow's parents, actually moved down south in 1851, right before Woodrow was born. And not only do they move there and they're part of that culture, but they become that culture. Uh, they... Uh, his dad does become a minister there, uh, but he also owns slaves he defends slavery. Uh, of course, you know, he wouldn't want to be totally, uh, mean to the slaves. So of course he establishes a Sunday school for his slaves, which I don't think that was a, a terribly uncommon practice. It's just very, it's very ironic to me that, um, you would, you would tell individuals you're not considered people, but you should go to Sunday school. Yeah. Right. Uh, so during the civil war, both parents were pretty hard into the Confederacy. Uh, they, they had wounded soldiers come to the church. Uh, Woodrow's father was even a chaplain in the Confederate Army. And uh, it's, you know, it's a family affair, essentially. Yeah, there's even a
2: moment in Woodrow's young life where he can remember standing and gazing up at General Robert E. Lee and being like, hey— There's Robert E. Lee. Yeah. So uh, a little bit of a convergence there in in the lives of those two uh, historical figures. But uh, Wilson's dad goes on to uh, be one of the founders of the Southern Presbyterian Church in the United States, which was a faction that was kind of your old school Presbyterian. And this particular um, snod that they were grouped in with, um, not only were they the old old style Calvinists, but then they were also the more aligned with the Confederate cause. He continues; uh, Wilson's dad continues as the moderator of the um, PCUS, which Presbyterian Church in the United States uh, General Assembly, uh, for several decades, and he moves down, moves the family down to Augusta, Georgia. And then when Woodrow is 14 years old, they uh, pick up and they go to Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, Woodrow is a member of the Columbia First Presbyterian Church in South Carolina throughout his life. Uh, Interestingly enough, Ben, uh, several weeks ago when I was in Wilmington, North Carolina, they also lay claim to the Wilson family because his dad was the minister of the First Presbyterian Church from 1874 until 1882. So you see a lot of Woodrow Wilson all along the eastern seaboard, especially in the south. That's because they were all over the place.
0: So when Woodrow is about 10 years old uh, is when he starts reading. And yeah, this is pretty late uh, in a child's life to be able to start reading. Uh, historians think he probably had some form of dyslexia. Uh, He blamed the lack of schools, which also could have been a cause of that. Um, But he really thrives as a teenager and ends up teaching himself Graham shorthand, uh, really is self-disciplined and is interested in his studies. Uh, Whenever uh, Reconstruction comes around, Wilson is living in Columbia, South Carolina, and his father is a theology professor uh, instead of being a pastor, or maybe in addition to being a pastor, Uh, definitely in addition to being a pastor. So he is no stranger to education, but just was kind of a late bloomer when it came to reading and everything. Uh, His father moves. They pick up and move to Wilmington. Uh, He's a pastor there at First Presbyterian Church, and then while they're there, and it's kind of close... Woodrow goes to Davidson College, and he ends up not quite being able to finish out there. He's there for about a year uh, because he does get sick, and he ends up going to the College of New Jersey, which you may better know as Princeton. So
2: in 1879, Wilson goes to the University of Virginia School of Law. He's there for a year, gets involved with the Glee Club, which, you know, all kinds of naughty things happen there in the Glee Club. I, ben, are there still Glee Clubs?
0: I think there are. I'm not sure if they're still called that,
2: but I think there are glee clubs. Sounds really happy and sing-songy, but there he was. And uh, he was also the president of the Jefferson Literary and Debating Society. And he took a lot of trips down to Stanton
0: and he visited
2: his cousins because that's what you do, right? When you're nearby well, your cousins, you go visit them.
0: That's and, right. And hang out. The, the sh- this show's all about cousins, so it, it fits right
2: in. Yeah, and speaking of... Going to visit your cousins, you know, they're going to hook you up with some nice people. And that's exactly what happens when he's down there in Stanton. He meets one of his cousins. Oh, I hate that. It's <laughs> so weird. But anyway, you know, it's not that weird back then. Uh, Hattie Woodrow, there she is in all her Woodrowness. <laughs> and uh, she's like, nah, I don't think so.
0: I don't, I'm not into my cousins.
2: <laughs> so. Thankfully, that, uh, that didn't progress. But uh, what ends up happening is Woodrow has another bout with his health. Y- you see, this is going to be a recurring theme uh, where he has to go back and live with his parents in Wilmington, North Carolina. He continues his law studies and was later admitted to the Georgia Bar. And unlike our buddy Will Taft, he's like, you know what? This is legal stuff I'm not into, Uh, I'm going to abandon my practice and start studying um, political science and history. So Woodrow Wilson probably would have listened to election college. Definitely. Uh, He goes to Johns Hopkins University in the fall of 1883, and he studies history and poli sci and uh, German. And he also studies economics because, you know, let's face it, history, that's not going to make you a lot of money. And he writes his doctoral dissertation. We, we should know. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's okay. Um, he writes his doctoral dissertation about uh, congressional government, a study in American politics. And boom, they're like, hey, you're pretty smart. Here's your PhD, Dr. Wilson. Mm-hmm.
0: So in 1883, Woodrow gets asked to come down to Georgia, Rome, Georgia specifically, and his Uncle William's estate was kind of being mismanaged by one of his brother-in-laws, or brothers-in-law. I always get confused on how you say that, brothers-in-law. And so he is asked to help settle that estate. While he's there, he meets a young lady by the name of Ellen Louise Axon, and she is also the daughter of a minister uh, from Georgia, and he proposes to her, and they get engaged when they're there in Asheville. Now, they do end up getting married, and a lot of things are going poorly in Ellen's family. Uh, They have intention to get married, but these things kind of prevent them from doing so quickly. Uh, Her father was admitted to a mental hospital uh, where he did commit suicide in 1884. Uh, so they closed down that home and everything. Uh, she ends up going to the Art Students League of New York and ends up going and having, doing some portrait art and everything like that, and she wins a medal at the Paris International Exposition. So she is certainly uh, a prolific Woman, and we'll talk more about her in an episode all her own. But she decides that she does want to honor her commitment to Mary Woodrow and uh, ends up leaving that pursuit and gets married in 1885. Yeah, go Ellen, man. She was uh, a lady who
2: went after things mm-hmm. good for her. And um, Wilson, he loved cars, like automobile cars, and he was known to later on be seen driving his car all over the place (laughs) and that's probably the reason some highways are named after him but um he was also big into baseball which is pretty cool he was actually the first president to go and uh throw out the first pitch at a world series game so back back to the serious stuff though yeah yeah uh woodrow uh, works as a lecturer at cornell which is an ivy league school if you didn't know that sorry a little office reference Um, (laughs) in 1886, and he uh, goes on to teach at Bryn Mawr College, and he taught ancient Greek and Roman history. And all the while, he's getting offers from big schools like Michigan and Indiana. And Woodrow's like, nope, I don't think so. Ellen, she's pregnant with their first child in 1886, and Ellen's all big into the whole Southern thing. She wants her children to be very much identified with the South. So um, she takes Ellen down to her Aunt Louisa Brown's residence in Gainesville, Georgia. She gets there one day before uh, Margaret is born. And uh, the next year, Jesse, their other daughter, was born. In 1888, Wilson leaves Bryn Mawr to go to Wesleyan University. He had signed a three-year contract at Bryn Mawr. But university officials and Wilson both had their own stories to tell about uh, the parting of ways there, but it was less than amicable. But in February of 1890, Wilson was elected by uh, Princeton University Board of Trustees to uh, the position of the chair of jurisprudence and political economy. He makes a whopping $3,000 a year to do that. He continues to teach a six-week class at Johns Hopkins University, and he also serves as a faculty member at a women's college. He's a busy guy. Um, He's also lecturing at New York Law School, and he teaches there with Charles Evans Hughes. He's going to show up somewhere in the future, right? (laughs) And, uh, yeah, he pretty much pours his life into... Princeton. He sees that uh, there's a certain school in Kentucky uh, called Transylvania that's producing all kinds of prominent people. And he's like, hey, wait a second. We're up here in the Northeast. We are the ones who need to be getting people educated and being prominent in the world. And we're being outdone by some of these lesser known schools. So go Princeton.
0: Woodrow has a pretty substantial interest in politics and in the Constitution in general. And he's a smart guy, so he pretty much considers the U.S. Constitution to be garbage. Uh, I don't know if he would have used such a strong language, but he said it was cumbersome and open to corruption. And he was really in favor of having a parliamentary system. And in 1885, he publishes a uh, book called Congressional Government, and he's advocating a parliamentary system there. And he compares the U.S. government to places that just don't work very well, and maybe he was even a little ahead of his time, uh, if you, if you want to um, think on that in, with rose-colored glasses, but I'm sure there were many problems then as well. Well, he starts off in a course of writing and enjoys writing. He ends up writing a textbook or a couple textbooks, uh, contributing to some different historical series, uh, especially one uh, related to President Andrew Jackson during Reconstruction. And so this becomes not a huge source, but a source of income for Woodrow. And uh, it also really helps invigorate even more than already was happening, his interest in American government and policies and things like that. Uh, the last thing he did, which this is kind of interesting, he the last scholar, scholarly work he did, uh, it was called Constitutional Government of the United States. And uh, Wilson refers to the presidency as it will be as big as and as influential as the man who occupies it. So, little foreshadowing there that he had an idea of how the presidency should work. He didn't like the way the government worked, but he knew that if somebody was going to be in that seat, they better have a big personality to be able to take everything upon their shoulders.
2: Yeah. Lots of uh, writing going on in this period of Wilson's life. And uh, what ends up happening is he becomes the president of Princeton University. Now, all the while, he's getting job offers From all kinds of crazy places like Illinois, Virginia. He's like, nope, I'm a Princeton guy. Kind of interesting, isn't that, Ben? That somebody who is so aligned with the South and his wife being so much aligned with the South that they're just taken with New Jersey. In 1902, Professor Wilson becomes president. And the school's got an okay endowment. It's almost $4 million. But he's like, you know what? I want the graduate school to have $3 million. I want the schools of jurisprudence and electrical engineering to have two and a half mil. I also want to have a museum of natural history. I want to almost double the size of the faculty. You know, I want to make some changes around here. And what ends up happening is he has some good success. Because if you don't know this, Princeton was somewhat limited in its scope or its pool of people who they would select to come aboard the ship. Um, He ends up appointing the first Jew and the first Roman Catholic to the faculty. And he's pretty much saying, Hey, stick it conservative Presbyterians. Um, We're going to, we're going to broaden, broaden the scope of what happens here at Princeton. Kind of interesting, Ben, this runs in his family. His uncle on the Woodrow side was, like, bucking up against creation in the 1880s.
0: Right. Yeah, that was definitely, right. Definitely a uh, a unique take at that point in time.
2: Yeah. So, anyway, um, while being the president of Princeton in 1906, he wakes up. And wouldn't you know it, he's got another health issue. He's blind In his left eye, he has a blood clot and hypertension. And many uh, now would say that that was probably a stroke. But, you know, back then it was just, oh, he's got hardening of the arteries. Well, what do you do when you have hardening of the arteries? You go on vacation. And where better to go on vacation to Bermuda? Well, he takes a few trips to Bermuda. And... While in Bermuda in nineteen oh six he meets Mary Holbert Peck. Yeah. Wilson. He's married. He meets another woman. And there's some correspondence that goes on, and it seems to be that there was more than just a friendship going on. But I think his wife was like, You know what? Woodrow seems pretty happy these days. <laughs> Go figure.
0: Yeah. Well, there are some letters that are sent back and forth, and some political adversaries may use them against him in the future, but for right now, he's still back at Princeton again, and he's pretty much attempting to put the social elitist in their place and gets rid of the eating clubs for the upper class, which is kind of a very foreign concept to us now. Uh, it's maybe like the Finer Things Club. Man, I'd, I'd like to be in reference. an eating club. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, tries to put things in their place. You know, Princeton is a place for learning, but it's not a place just for elitists. And, you know, people should be able to feel welcome here. And really, Wilson is, or should I say Woodrow, is getting a little bit disenchanted because people are resisting the, his ideas, his recommendations for Princeton. And he's like, hey, I'm the president. You should at least listen to me. Oh, by the way, I think I might have some future future ideas of being president or maybe being political in my leadership and stuff like that. So Wilson kind of drops some hints to the big guys in the Democratic Party in 1908 that he might be interested in the being on the ticket. And really, he's like, that's probably not going to happen. But if it does happen, make sure I'm not the vice president, because I don't want that. that no way. And uh, he's like, OK, this probably isn't going to happen. So I'm going to go on a vacation to Scotland. Well, they end up not putting him on the ballot. But they do really start seeing him as a possibility for the future. And meanwhile, he's in Scotland. Yeah.
2: And this would probably be a good place to kind of wrap it up with the private life. I don't know if it's necessarily private. But yeah, private citizen life for Woodrow Wilson. Because what he did at Princeton basically... Ripping everything apart <laughs> and creating his idea of what should happen. He's going to do that in the actual political realm. He takes what was once theory and puts it into practice. And that is what we're going to be talking about in the next
0: episode. How do you like that for a cliffhanger? Definitely a cliffhanger. Hey, do you shop on Amazon, Jason? Every day. Every day? I literally every packages. day. packages.
2: I mean... It's I do too. Obsessive.
0: Hey, if you guys out there are like Jason and I and like getting packages and hate money, uh head over to Amazon <laughs> where you can support Election College. If you go to electioncollege.com slash Amazon, you can buy all the same stuff you normally buy. You can buy it for the exact same price. But if you follow that link, and we'll put it in the show notes as well as on our website and stuff like that, uh, Election College gets a little small percentage. Again, doesn't cost you anything. You could still use your prime uh, shipping and everything like that. But electioncollege.com slash Amazon will really help us out.
2: Here's something that will cost you, but like only a buck if you want. Uh, you can support the podcast by going to electioncollege.com slash Patreon or reverse it go to patreoncom election college and you can send us money we'll take it
0: if you're not sh- that's right we will if you're not shopping on Amazon and you're not really interested in being a patron on our patreon why don't you just go and do something that's free leave us a little review over on iTunes now we have I don't know maybe 110 reviews on there we're gonna start reading those off again and uh, things like that but we know we we have analytics. We know there are like a butt ton more of you that listen to this show and you're not leaving a review. Now, if you had a podcast and you told me about it, I'd leave you a review. So leave us a review, even if it's not five stars, although we certainly hope it is. It really does help out the show. It helps us in the rankings and helps people know that we're just two good looking cousins looking for a nice review.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, while we're doing that whole cousin thing, don't forget, if your cousin had a podcast, you would subscribe to it. That's right. You might even reach out to your cousin on social media. And we are there on Facebook, Twitter, and sometimes Instagram. We're out
0: there at Election College, and we love to interact. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time about Woodrow Wilson again.